0: I am, as always, Jordan. With me on the show tonight we have Rachel. Hello. Sam. Hello. And we have a special guest, Megan, with us. Hello. Uh, tonight on the show we're going to talk about The 11th Doctor. Uh, we've sort of had to push this show back for a little while because we've been doing year in best-of stuff, but we're going to talk about the 50th anniversary special, The Day of the Doctor. We're going to talk about the Christmas special, The Time of the Doctor, and we're going to spend a little time talking about Matt Smith's run as a whole. Uh, the good, the bad, what we love, what we didn't love, um, and sort of send Matt Smith off into that good night uh, with a little review named Podcast Love. So um, with that, why don't we start things off with uh, very basic thoughts from all of you on the Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary special, which aired back in November. So we're a little late on this one, but I think um, there's still probably plenty to discuss. Uh, Rachel, why don't we start with you?
1: Oh, of course you start with me. Um, I... Don't think you should start with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, Sam, would you like to start us off?
2: Sure, I'll start. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think the main, I guess, gimmick of the episode in bringing back David Tennant it worked worked really well. I think he was he had a really great rapport with Matt Smith, and i I thought John Hurt kind of was seamlessly, you know, in, integrated into this universe. And I found out only after the fact that originally it was supposed to be Eccleston and Tennant and um, Smith, but Eccleston like had all these demands and whatever. Um, but I think like they rejiggered it so it made a lot of sense in that there was a doctor in between eight and nine. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. I think even though the whole episode is just about retconning like the major one of the major plot points of. A rebooted show um i didn't really mind because i think it kind of created a new a new story like a new potential storyline that i think 12 will explore so and it was just a lot of fun i think there was so much fun back and forth between the doctors and the not rose rose i think it worked it was a fun adventure i was happy with it
0: excellent megan what were your thoughts
3: Pretty much the same as Sam. I I liked Rose, not Rose. um, And I didn't like Rose as a companion, I'm going to be honest. But I did like her in this role. um, And I thought it was fun. I thought it was a really good way to bring in that character and explain him and really explain the transition that the Doctor Who is making when they're leaving, you know, 26-year-old Matt Smith behind and going to a much older actor. Um, I was reading on a blog that basically what they were saying was that you know with the ninth doctor, it was the doctor who was just wallowing in his pity and just didn't want to get out of this phase and then with Tennant, he was like learning to be a human again and have those emotions and with Matt Smith, he was in you know denial he was trying to like avoid everything that had happened, try to move on, so he was childish, and that's why he was so young and then in that episode, he grew up, he realized you know. I didn't do this, I'm not a bad person, I am a good person and I do care about everyone and it's time for me to grow up and I feel like that makes a lot of sense for me as to why they went with Peter Capaldi aside from the fact that he's awesome. But um, it was fun, it was interesting and it was a good segue into the transition that they're making.
0: Awesome. Rachel, thoughts? I'm ready now. Um... (laughs) (laughs) I I hope so. I I vamped for as much time as I possibly could over here. I I know you talked to us. Uh, us. Yeah, that 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 was horrible.
1: I had Obviously, your Sam's thoughts.
0: It was disgusting. Obviously that's a last
1: <laughs> resort. No. But um I really enjoyed the um the day of the doctor. Um now I just want an entire season of like ten and eleven together though, which is like I'm sure Capaldi is gonna be great, but like whatever. Um I feel like I'm I feel like I'm probably am I the only person on the podcast who likes Rose as a companion?
2: I like Not, Rose.
0: I like Rose. I like- She's Ugh. not my favorite. Um, Megan, we'll, well, maybe maybe we'll spend a couple minutes talking about why you didn't like Rose in, in a bit. Um. Okay.
1: I I like Rose, so I while I enjoyed the Rose not Rose kind of plot point. Um, I did really love that moment at the end where um, Hurt says something about that bad wolf girl, and like Tenant has that moment of recognition, and I really that was heartstring tuggy. Um. But no, I really enjoyed it. It was funny. It was fast and witty, and I really liked it. Um, and I think it was a very interesting counterbalance. Now, having seen the Christmas special, um, I think it was a really interesting counterbalance.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll agree. I think uh, it was the right move to bring Billy Pepper back as not Rose, just because I feel like we've said goodbye to Rose so many different times now that like bringing her back again wouldn't have. It just wouldn't wouldn't have done a whole lot for me probably, and. Um, Also, it might have made things more complicated from a timey-wimey perspective if you were working with earlier in, uh, Tenet's run when he was still with Rose, or if Rose was coming back from alternate universe or whatever. I think it would have, it would have given the episode another thing to do, so I think it was a smart thing to bring Billy Piper back in a, in a sort of different way and allow her to do something else, which I thought she did very well, actually, um... For the episode uh, as a whole, I thought it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I think it doesn't really make any sense. Um, and we might want to talk about that a little bit. But Since when like, does that stop the right, show? It's not like it's the first time Doctor Who hasn't made any sense at all. Um, and it's not like I ultimately care all that much about it making sense from a plot perspective. Um, especially in the Moffat era, I think I've, I've learned to take Doctor Who. And if it makes emotional sense, that's good enough for me. Because Moffat writes great questions and very rarely comes up with an answer that makes sense of all of the mysteries he's come up with. Um and I think that's true of the day of the doctor. Uh Rachel, I think you and I have talked about this a little bit. There are there are a few things that the more I think about, the more I think, well this doesn't make any sense at all. And I think that's also true of the time of the doctor, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um again, I don't know how much that matters to me ultimately. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um and I think it did a good job of balancing references to to the fifty year history of the show with things that modern fans were gonna want with looking forward to what the next 50 years of Doctor Who could be about, and, and the sorts of stories that it could tell then. Um, so I think it, it pretty much did everything the 50th anniversary special needed to do, which is impressive considering the amount of expectation that I think was resting on Stephen Moffat when he was doing this.
2: Yeah, I think this is a, an episode, more so than even the Christmas episode uh, from a week ago, or I guess maybe a little bit more than a week ago. Um, this had to be about like fan service and appealing to kind of the modern fandom, and they have John Hurt kind of making fun of all the little quirks and catchphrases and the way Tennant and Smith speak to each other. But it also had you know Tom Baker show up at the end and kind of he you know play a small part, which I don't know how much sense it actually makes, but I'm glad that they had him come back as someone who's kind of. Implied to be the doctor in the future, right? Is that is that? Yeah, the, yeah
0: he's he's a yeah. future version of the doctor, basically. Like when the doctor's
2: like really dying or whatever, he like goes backwards somehow. Well, past I think the,
0: he just says he, he like chose to go back to his favorite faces or something.
2: Uh-huh. But, Which, uh huh. But okay. Yeah, I thought that was good, and I just I think there were just like a lot of a lot of winks at the audience that were just kind of nice, and that they showed us. They showed us Peter Capaldi's eyes, which became somewhat of a meme, I think, among uh, the fandom. Just Capaldi's eyes, which was, I think, the most exciting part of the episode because I did not think we'd see him this week or for that episode. I thought we'd only get him at the Christmas episode, but that was definitely a happy surprise. And, And I think they kept a lot of stuff under wraps. The reveal of who John Hurt really was wasn't, you know... I think a lot of people kind of guessed that from the beginning, but the mini episode with the eighth doctor, I think was a surprise to everybody.
3: Oh my God. Um, That was the best.
2: Yeah. I loved that. And Paul McGann looks the same. I mean, I guess, I guess his TV movie wasn't particularly long ago, but he looks good. Um, And he pulled it off. He did a great job. And there were just like a lot of little things that referenced, you know, pre new who original who, um, which were nice, too. So I, I thought it was a lot of fun, even if, like, the final result of freezing Gallifrey in another universe, so it's, like, it's okay, but it's kind of frozen in time, so they're not all dead, but they're they're all kind of frozen in this little pocket universe.
0: But also, clearly, they aren't frozen because of what we see in the Christmas special, but okay, yeah, yeah, we can exactly. get to that later.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of, like, holes you can punch in this pretty easily. Um but I think it was emotionally there and it was a lot of fun, which is I think all the 50th could have you know could have really been to have like to have like a really great story too was a lot to ask, I think. I think it just it had so many so many things you know, so many boxes to check off and I think it did for the most part
0: well and i think when the show does multi-doctor stories very rarely is it is it going to come up with something brilliant from a story perspective in fact i don't think it's ever done done anything like uh, amazing as a story when it was doing a multi-doctor episode before um i think most mostly these comes come down to fan service and saying like you like all these guys what if they fight and like they make fun of each other a little bit wouldn't that be fun and i think like ultimately that's what we want from a multi-doctor story you know um I'm not expecting it to be the, the be-all-and-all all Doctor Who episode. I'm expecting it to be uh, 10 and 11 are squabbling. And, you know, we got John Hurt being sort of a, a father figure who was annoyed with them the whole time. And that's, that's mostly what I think I wanted from it anyway.
1: Yeah, and I think it did all of that really well. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was um, kind of outside of the story a little bit in terms of the, um, the simulcast experience. Mm-hmm. Um, which, in terms of, like, you know, it's been said already, like, you know, this idea of the 50th having to be all about, like, fan service. Um, I think that that was a really well-done way to kind of nod to and incorporate together the ever-expanding kind of, like, Hooniverse. Um In a way that, like... You're proud of that, aren't you? I'm so <laughs> proud of that. You expected that I one to get a much bigger laugh than it did. I, I, I I just came up with that, like, completely on the spot, too, and I'm just really impressed with myself right now. Um, but... Yeah, no one's ever said Hooniverse <laughs> before. You were the first. Shut up. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought it was nice, because, like, I feel like all too often, it's, like, for big specials like this, I wind up, like, watching them at, like, ridiculous hours, because that's when they're on in the UK, and that's when I can find them, Um but I thought it was
0: on her television because she lives in the UK, right? right yes, honestly. exactly. Yes, yes, yes.
1: yes. Um, obviously, of course. Um, so I thought it was it was nice to think about kind of like the modern Who and to see well, kind it's of how far it's watching gone. it at
0: ridiculous hours because it started at, uh, at what like eleven fifty a.m. for me in California, yeah. uh, which is where I was at the time, and it was like, like I was like family. I have to go away for eighty minutes. Excuse yeah. me. Well,
1: Whereas with of my speaks.
2: family. It kind of speaks to how popular it is here now. I mean, granted, it's not like, you know, by regular network standards, like a super hit, but, you know, in the last, last, I guess, it's been like seven or eight years since it's been rebooted, it's kind of become a pretty popular show in America. I think maybe slightly above just like a cult thing. I mean, obviously, it's much, much more popular in the UK. It gets much bigger numbers, but... It's doing really well here, and I think that they had the simulcast, and they had like a horrible, horrible pre-show on BBC America. Which oh god, can, that
1: was horrendous. We can
2: talk. We, I don't know if you guys watched it, but it is like the worst thing in the universe I've ever seen, um, or the universe. It is terrible. <laughs> yeah. It was so so bad. Um, but it's. I think it was just kind of like a good sign that it's kind of growing in America and gaining popularity, um, and I'm just kind of. I'm curious what, and I think a lot of that's owed to Matt Smith, which you, which we can talk about when we kind of talk about his legacy as the eleventh Doctor. But um, I'm happy that I'm happy that it's kind of kind of growing in popularity. I think that's pretty cool.
1: This is Megan's first time on the podcast, so I just want to point out Megan comes from like a Who family. Like her oh, yeah. entire say. her entire family is obsessed, like is obsessed with Who. So Megan, talk about that experience for you.
3: Um, well, I was, I'm from Los Angeles, so I watched it there. So I got to, you know, watch it at 11. And it's not just my mom and my brother, it's actually my two best friends. Um, so there was a lot of us watching. And my mom, of course, made pancakes. And we all, of course, wore Doctor Who outfits. I had my TARDIS dress on. My mom had her TARDIS shirt and TARDIS pajamas. My brother had his everything. He had the fez, the bow tie, two sonic screwdrivers. <laughs> and yeah, so that's. that's awesome. So we like ate blueberry pancakes because it's Tardis Blue and we sat and watched it all together and we're super excited and we were like Instagramming and vining and like doing all that stuff and it was just, and we cried together and we were doing (gasps) together. So yeah, it's like a whole, I mean, it's just a whole family thing and it was just, it was the best way to watch it in my opinion and it was awesome that it was early because we got to do it in pajamas
0: and hang out. So did you did you grow up on Doctor Who, like classic Doctor Who, or have you guys sort of been converted with uh, the reboot?
3: Well, my mom watched it with the reboot. Her best friend was watching it and around Eccleston, and so she got into it, and then I didn't get into it until Tenet, and I really didn't like it until Donna, which is kind of why I don't like Rose. I don't know. I didn't get into it with Rose. But with Donna, I it was her first episode was when I fell in love with the show, and so my family, collectively, we've gone back to the very first Doctor and have watched it all. And, you know, my brother even does the, like, the, the web series stuff and the audio tapes and all that. So it's been a relatively new thing, but you'd think we've been watching it forever because of how obsessed we all are.
0: That's awesome because I'm usually, you know, when I'm not hanging out with uh, Sam or Rachel when the show is on, I'm usually watching it alone um, and being really excited, being like, guys, have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? Um, because not too many of my friends, uh, watch the show. Exactly. So that's, that's fantastic. Um.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I was, I was watching it alone in New Jersey, um, and... At one point, somebody came in and was like, oh, what are you doing? I was like, and I just, like, screamed at him. And I was like, I'm watching Doctor Who. You need to go away. And he, like, kept asking me questions. And I was like, listen, if you don't know it now, like, I'm not going to make you understand. Just let me watch the show. Like, at one point, somebody actually asked me. I was like, oh, I'm watching Doctor Who. And somebody was like, oh, is that, like, house? And I was like, not quite. You need to leave this room right now, sir. I basically was just like, yeah, it's time for you to go. (laughs) please do not disturb me for the next hour
0: (laughs) so i mean this is a little bit off topic but megan megan said uh the moment she fell in love with the show was uh donna's first episode uh with tenant i wanted to to ask you guys when when it was that it clicked because i think it clicks for everyone at some point and it for me at least it completely changed the way i approached the show from like yeah that that's fine i like it it's something i'll watch to like a sort of obsession. Um, I think. I think we, we all uh, have that point at some point. So, Sam, when when was it for you that the show moved from like something that you just enjoyed to something that you kind of loved?
2: Um. Well, I mean, I really I liked the I mean, I watched from Eccleston on, and I really liked the first season. I thought it was just like good. It wasn't. It wasn't great or anything like that. Um, I was definitely upset when Eccleston left after the first season. I'm like, oh, Tenant can't be that good, and then Tenant was that good, and I like Tenant a little bit more. Um, but I think I always talk about uh, Silence in the Library, and I guess Donna. I'm Donna's my favorite companion, I think maybe. I mean, it's between Donna and Amy. I think I like Amy's story arc, but I think I like Donna better as a character. Um, but I, I feel like Silence in the Library and Force of the Dead. Uh, that was just like one of my favorite episodes of any television show so that's like i love that story um i know a lot of people point to like blink um as being like all-time best or the one that like gets them hooked that was a great episode but i think sounds the library was it for me um also part of that is because the way they introduced river song it's like i'm gonna have to stick with the show because i want to see river and the show knows how to kind of play with the idea of you know, like having a character show up one week and then come back, you know, a full season later, which I kind of like, I like in my TV shows. Um, But uh, other than that, it's hard to point to like one specific thing, just because I like, you know, I like the series as a whole. And the way the show is, it's kind of sometimes it's episodic, sometimes it's just kind of a monster of the week. And you get kind of hit and miss with that. But I think around that era, I really, really fell in love with the show. I definitely liked Billy Piper's run. I thought Martha was fine, even though they kind of, they kind of fucked up Martha, making her like obsessed with the doctor, and that was kind of her only her thing. Um, but yeah, I'd say I'd say too around the Donna Noble era, I think is when it reached next level for me.
0: Rachel,
1: well, I watched. So I started watching Doctor Who in a really weird way. I was, like, very, very sick. I had I had a very serious spat with the flu and was alone in my apartment because my roommate was like, love you, but I'm leaving because I can't get sick. Um, so I was, like, running a 104-degree fever and kind of going a little delirious, and that's when I started watching Doctor Who um, because Jordan and Megan had both been on my case to do it. Um so I was a bit of a captive audience and I marathoned almost the entire reboot up to that point. Um, which I think, I think that it was up to like the first Smith season at that point. Um, I marathon, like the whole reboot in like four to six days. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so it was like a kind of, it was an incredibly different experience. Um, I, part of why I hadn't watched it before was because I was kind of, like, skeptical about, like, this idea of, like, the doctor and regeneration. And I was, like, I don't understand. Like, you fall in love with one doctor. Like, how do you move on to the next one? And I didn't really get into Eccleston. um, But Tenet clicked for me, like, right away. Like, in his first episode, I was, like, okay, like, I buy this regeneration thing now. When the show like really started, like the first episode that I really, really remember is the girl in the fireplace. Um, that was an early standout, um, and I liked Rose. Like I, I'm a Rose fan. Donna is obviously fantastic. I think it's a very different relationship, though. Um, so yeah, like really, as soon as Tenant kind of showed up, I was like, okay, like I'm in this. Um, and Tenant, I often say that the Smith seasons are my favorite seasons, but that Tenant is my doctor. Um, and so, like, as soon as he started being around, um, is when I realized it was the thing I was going to stick with.
0: I think, uh, sort of similar to, similar to Sam, I, um, I was shocked, you know, when Eccleston left, I was like, there's no way Tennant could be better than, than Eccleston. I love Eccleston. So it took me a little while to get into, into Tennant after the regeneration. Um, I was very, very suspicious of him when he first started. Uh, because Eccleston was the only Doctor I'd seen at that point, obviously. Um, and the girl in the fireplace, Rachel, is definitely an episode that made me think. Well, I'm not going to stop watching the show. Um, I was I was far from sold on it after Eccleston's season. I thought like uh, Sam and I made a, a, a devil's bargain w- that he would watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer if I would watch Doctor Who. Um, and I think we both we both made out very good in that deal. Um, but I was it took a lot longer I think for me to be sold on Doctor Who. Um, and even once I was sold on it, I thought, like, The Golden Fireplace, that's a great episode. This show is clearly capable of doing great episodes. Um, and, you know, Blink, also great. Silence from the Library is still my favorite story. I think I've seen in Doctor Who at all, um, even in the classic era. Uh but I think it didn't, it didn't become a next level show for me. It didn't become something that I really, really loved until Matt Smith took over. Uh, and Rachel, you talk about the second that, that tenant walked on the screen, you kind of got that for me, the 11th hour, the first Matt Smith episodes when I go, okay, like this guy is, is doing it exactly the way I think it should be done. This is perfect. Um, basically I think, you know, your doctor very early on. And I hadn't really felt that with Eccleston or tenant, both of whom I love, um, but with Matt Smith, I connected instantly, um, and Sam had mentioned to me because he was ahead of me in the show at that point. He'd mentioned, you know, it's basically a whole new show when Smith takes over, and it is the eleventh hour. I think is basically like a new pilot um, for the show, and it's you know different, uh, a different tone, different production values, uh, completely different cast. And this is the Smith era is the one that that really won me over and that took me to the next level, and ultimately that broke me down and made me go back and start watching the classic era, which I had been hoping not to have to do.
1: You know, I just, just before starting this podcast, I rewatched the episode with the tenant to Smith regeneration and realized that probably because of the way that I marathoned it and the way that like I loved tenant, I like think that I gave Smith some like Smith got the short end of the stick with me because I was just like, no, like, nobody will ever be... Oh, you be, did not like him. Ever be tendon. I did not like him at the beginning. I really didn't. And I just rewatched it. And even now, with this emotional distance that I've had and on the other side of the Smith seasons now, like, I'm able to recognize, like, okay, like, yes, like, actually from the first moments after his regeneration, like, he makes the ginger comment. He, like, counts all his fingers. <laughs> and it's adorable, adorable in a way that, like... Anchors something that I think we'll probably talk about when we move into talking about the Christmas special, which is, um, uh, uh it, Smith has a very distinct quality that I really like now, but I needed well, to get away from tenant to be able to kind of give him the opportunity to show it.
0: I think, uh, unless anyone has any, any pressing comments to make on Day of the Doctor, we can probably move into Time of the Doctor at this point. Sure. Um, and, yeah, I think, Rachel, you're right. One of the things that, that Smith does for me, and this, I guess, is more uh, something we can talk about more in The Legacy, is one of the ways that he won me over is he seems to be able to play every facet of the Doctor incredibly well. He's He's got that childlike wonder. Um, he's, he's really good at playing the alien. He's never exactly sure, you know, doesn't exactly fit in. Uh, but he's also great at playing the ancient Time Lord and the really the older aspects of the Doctor's character and the angrier, um, crueler aspects of the Doctor's character. So, I think he kind of hit all of that. And I think that actually works as a transition because he kind of got a chance to do all that in the time of the Doctor. So why don't we, um, Megan, why don't we start with you? What were your thoughts on the Christmas special?
3: Well, I just watched it. I was very late on that game because I don't live with Hoovians at all. And every time they'd walk in, they would disrupt it. And I started watching and started crying instantly. Um, But I loved it. I, I mean, you can ask Rachel. I watched it with her and I was pretty much sobbing at the end. Like, I thought it was a really good... Farewell. I was just kind of disappointed that he was so... I didn't like that they showed him staying in that town. It didn't, like, make sense to me. And I'm such a Matt lover that I was like, really? Like, we're going to have him stay in this town? Like, why this town of all the towns? And But then I kind of got it at the end. Like, it all kind of came together and it made sense. And I just love the way they ended it. I really just... I thought that was, like, the greatest ending in the world. I was so glad they brought Amy back. That just made my day. So, I loved it.
1: Spoilers. <laughs>
3: Oops, sorry.
2: <laughs> uh, this is a spoiler-ific Yeah, podcast, we can go ahead.
0: I mean, I feel like we're doing this so late uh, after the episode there that a spoiler warning should probably have got out at the beginning of the episode. Uh, we'll spoil yeah. everything um, from this point on. So, As
1: we always if, do. As we <laughs> always do.
0: So consider this your spoiler warning um, and turn it off if you haven't watched the episode. Although if you haven't watched the episode, I don't know how you got a half an hour into this podcast. Um, if you're not a Doctor Who person, this is probably not an episode for you. Uh, Sam, what did you think of The Time of the Doctor?
2: Um, I thought it was good. I didn't like it as much as I liked the 50th anniversary special. I felt like the 50th anniversary special was like a much fuller episode. Um, I actually found myself not loving the first half, or I think what kind of felt like the first half of this uh, Christmas special. First, I think it wasn't really a Christmas special, other than the fact that they named the town Christmas. I mean, I think they were just like, "Oh, this is the Christmas special. Let's make it kind of Christmasy." Uh, so they had that, um,
0: and that and, the Doctor kind of becomes Santa.
1: That's yeah, very true.
2: Uh, kind of, yeah.
1: I
0: think it's a. I think I'll defend it as a Christmas special story. But okay. go ahead. <laughs> um,
2: I think the show was much more concerned about just like, you know, this telling, was the, end tell, of- telling yeah. the yeah telling the end of Eleven's story. Um, But I really found myself, I found it more emotionally resonant than plot. I didn't, I wasn't particularly interested in the plot, and I didn't really follow how everything made sense um, with, like, the crack in the wall returning, and I wasn't particularly interested in seeing all of the monsters come back because they kind of, Jordan and I have talked about this a lot, but when Doctor Who has episodes where there are all the monsters there at once, they're usually for, like, a season finale or something, And they usually don't pack the same punch as they would if it was, say, just the Cybermen or just the Daleks or whatever. Um, By having all of them there at once, I mean, I know they want to like kind of give a big send-off. But at the same time, they kind of diminish everybody's value. Um, But what I really... Go ahead. I
0: was going to say, it's funny that when when they bring them all together, the point of them all being together is like, holy shit, this is serious. But it actually does diminish each of the villains individually, I think. And it, it makes me take the whole thing a little bit less seriously, ultimately. Um, right. But go ahead, what were you saying?
2: But basically, for me, the episode kind of, like, hit me emotionally when we first see uh, Matt Smith come out in his first old man makeup, because, like, we hadn't seen that before. And I think it reminded me of the end of Tenant too, because I think with the end of Tenant, he kind of He's like fighting the master, and the master like makes him like a little Dobby old man. If you guys remember that,
0: well, um, that's that's yeah, not the that's not the end of time. That was back in season three, mm-hmm. right?
2: But there was there was also another that that was probably the same episode where there was also like the regular old age makeup. But I yeah. remember that. Um, but like, it just kind of struck me that like it kind of hit me that this was the end when we saw the doctor age because you know even though Matt's always played. Been able to play like an old man. We haven't really seen him be an old man. He's always been like the very young doctor. Um, so after that, like it, you know, it hit me emotionally, and I think for the short time we have handles the robot, I think that worked pretty well considering how little time we knew him. Um, so yeah, I think I think it ultimately worked emotionally sending sending Matt Smith off on his way, and I agree that having kind of the memory of Amy be, like, one of his last memories as the 11th Doctor. I think that worked really well. I was so sad to see him as, like, the super old man who's kind of just, he's been there for hundreds of years, and he's kind of not as able to be into saving the day as he once was. Um, That was very sad to me, and that he was kind of on his last legs. So I think emotionally, I think it worked really, really well. I think, but plot-wise, it was just kind of like oh, you know, you're out of regenerations, you can't regenerate anymore or whatever. Well, we're going to have the Time Lords talk to you through the crack in the wall and just spit out a new regeneration cycle at you. And, you know, you know, dust your hands off, that's settled. Like, <laughs> you know, Moff- You know, I like that Moffat acknowledged that that was a thing and acknowledged that that was something that needed to be addressed. I just don't think it was par- addressed in a particularly interesting way. Um that, like, I guess it's the Time Lords on the other side of the crack that, like, kind of understand the poetic nature that the dot like, that is his name. His name is the doctor. That's, does it matter what his real name is? If I was on the other end, I'd be like, yes, I kind of really want to hear what his actual name is. (laughs) But they're like, but it doesn't matter. Like, and Clara explains, like, the poetic nature of his name, which they buy and is nice. Um, But from a plot plot standpoint i didn't find it a particularly interesting episode i but i did i did i felt sad where they wanted me to feel sad so i'd say it was a partial success as an episode
0: well in terms of a plotting perspective i'll, I'll agree with you sam that like the episode doesn't make almost any sense um but i don't know that that really mattered and honestly i think uh If I had to guess, I would guess that Moffat had planned to deal with the final regeneration thing during Capaldi when he thought he was going to be able to get Eccleston for the 50th anniversary special. Um, Because, I mean, if you look at, at Smith's run, there's no evidence until the time of the Doctor that this is supposed to be his last regeneration. We actually see him start to regenerate several times throughout the run, and he doesn't seem to have any consciousness of the idea that this is his last life until all of a sudden we're introduced to... Uh, the war doctor and we go. Oh right, yeah, okay. With this in the meta crisis, we're, we're out of regenerations. Um, so I feel like Moffat sort of realized he was written into a corner and could have ignored uh, the tenant regeneration and dealt with it with Capaldi, but decided to to deal with it on his face. And you know what? I ultimately I knew whatever the solution was going to be, even if it was you know at the end of Capaldi, uh, the solution was probably not going to be satisfying because. A, this is a stupid piece of continuity that like somehow stuck and has never really seen that <laughs> importance. And B, like, 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 Moffat's solutions are never all that satisfying. So, honestly, I'm fine with him just sort of dusting his hands and going, bam, whatever, crack in the wall, regenerations, we're done with this thing, we can move on and be Dr. Who again for a while. Um, but this episode needed to work for me emotionally, and it definitely did. Um, I think I, I mentioned earlier that it, we sort of got to see smith play all of the sides of the doctor a little bit i know i saw some people complaining about the opening part of the episode which is sort of this madcap farce where the doctor keeps getting teleported holding pieces of the monsters onto their uh ships i thought that was great um Doctor holding the Dalek arm on the Dalek ship and the Cyberman head in the Cyberman ship, and it was Matt Smith getting to be, like, panicked and funny, and that was a lot of fun. You got to see him sort of do the the buddy cop thing with Clara, Clara, which I don't think really works, because I don't think Clara really works, but that's really neither here nor there, I guess. Um, and, yes, finally we got to see him with Amy. Um, because I'm not a huge fan of Clara and because the vast majority of, of Smith's run was with Amy, I, I was always of the opinion that, you know, she was his first. She should be his last, honestly. If if, if they had gotten uh, Karen Gill to stick around for, what, I think nine more episodes, we would have had uh, her as his only companion, and that would have been fine with me. But I'm glad that she came back. and glad we got that. And I just... I thought the last ten minutes of the episode, which is basically one long, uh, sappy goodbye to Smith, worked like wonders for me. I mean, his little speech about uh, how, you know, everyone changes over the course of their life and you just have to remember the person you used to be and all... It was like uh, Doctor Who crack for me. I was like, "This is this is this is exactly what I needed to say goodbye to Smith." And I think the little bit of of Capaldi we got at the end there was was a nice uh, hint of things to come. So I I loved it. I loved it. I, I should I should amend. I loved it in the way that I needed to love it, which is I think it worked for me as a goodbye to Smith, um, even if it didn't work in almost any other way. <laughs>
1: yeah. As somebody who, like, comes to Doctor Who basically only for the emotion and, like, not for the plot, um, it was definitely hitting on many cylinders for me. Why I love this episode and what I hinted at before and what, like, Jordan's talking about in terms of, like, the multiple facets of the Doctor and how Smith is able to play all of them well. Um, the Doctor has always been, like, an immortal with a kind of immensely heavy sense of mortality and I think that you know, with the kind of like recognition by Smith's doctor that um, you know this will be his last regeneration, um, I think that that really like comes to like comes out to play, um, and that Smith handles it really well, like in a way that's really it's like it's really believable, right? Like that Smith is so good at playing these like super childlike and light elements with this, like, underlying sense of really dark, um, and I think that that was perfectly on display in this episode. I also don't like Clara. Um, he totally bothers me, so I'm glad. Does anyone like Clara here? Nobody likes Clara. Nobody likes Clara. Nobody likes, Clara. Nobody likes, Martha. <laughs> nobody likes Martha. It's fine. Um, yeah, because
3: so a whole other
0: season of Clara. So. They're yeah. pretty much
3: the same character, though. That's my problem. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, Clara, true. the problem with Claire is she has no use outside of her impossible girl mystery. Which was, like, if anybody, people who hate Moffat for how he writes female characters, I mean, I feel like Clara's kind of the poster girl for that problem. She has, like, a character, her only, her main character trait is that nobody knows, like, how she's able to, like, live in all these different times and die and keep coming back.
0: What I find interesting is, like, it's very clear that she could be a great character because... Moffat wrote, and Jenna Coleman played two really interesting characters before we got Clara. You know, we had uh, Oswin Oswald uh, in Asylum of the Daleks and uh, Clara, the barmaid, in um, The Snowman, And I thought both of them were actually a lot more fun with the Doctor and a lot more interesting than the actual Clara ended up being. So it's confusing to me that, like, Moffat was like, oh, like, I get to play with this character a lot of different times, and he gave us the most boring version for the longest. Yeah. Um... I don't really understand why that
3: happened, but... I felt duped. I felt like Souffle Girl was so awesome, and I was so excited for Jenna Coleman. And then she became Claire, and I was like, oh, you are... You're just... You're being... Like, it felt like a stepmom. Like, my dad was getting remarried, (laughs) and my dad was, like, really trying to push my stepmom on me, and I was like, no, no, no. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. So... Now yeah, she does. She does
0: feel a little bit like the stepmom that you're like. You're gonna be nice to her, but you're not happy she's around.
3: Exactly.
1: <laughs> and I think especially uh, coming off of Amy, it's so like, ugh, it would need to be like a really sterling character to be able to like make the companion anywhere close to like com- like comparable to the awesomeness that was Amy and Rory. So, yeah. I, I, almost, I almost feel bad for her because there was clearly no way she was going to be able to, like, hold her own in that sense. But it works, I guess. But Matt
3: did it with Tennant. <sighs> like, it's possible. You can totally follow a character or an actor. You just can't force it. Like, she's trying, I feel like.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think it's possible, and honestly, my hope is that uh, she will come into her own as a companion with Capaldi. I feel like there's probably going to be a very different vibe. Um, They've got that mystery out of the way now, Um, so I think there's room for for her to grow as a character. I think there's room for for her to take on uh, a different relationship with the Doctor that she'll have with Capaldi, and I think, you know, maybe in a year from now we'll be saying, hey, she she works as a companion. Probably in a year from now we'll be saying, I'm glad that she's leaving as a companion, but, like... (laughs) I, I'll well, give her I'll give her a shot.
2: Maybe they'll they'll, you know, have time to make her more of a person instead of a plot line, you know. And I think maybe since they have gotten that story out of the way and it was a season I didn't particularly love. I think it was actually one of the weaker ones since the reboot started. Um because I just think the way they got rid of um Rose and Rory, you know, their like weird marriage problems that were like They came out of nowhere, and then they were solved in one episode. Were strange, and and Clara existed as just kind of this plot point. You know, Clara was basically the hole in the wall. She was like the crack in the wall. Um, And I feel like you can't get longevity out of a character who's like that because you have to you have to like grow to love this person. And I think we kind of grew to love Amy and Rory because we kind of had them just be people on the TARDIS. And I think it's. You know, true of a lot of the other companions, Um, but you know, at the same time, I think, you know, I think Rose, Rose was with Eccleston, but everybody remembers Rose as being Tennant's companion, really. So who knows what the dynamic will be like between um, Peter Capaldi and Clara? So, you know, I hold out hope that they could kind of make her more interesting, or at least just more of a human being. Um, but I guess that remains to be seen. Um, I like Peter Capaldi. <laughs> I hope it works. That's the thing. Now, now I'm not. I'm not at the point where I'm like, Peter Capaldi can't do this. Like I thought with the other doctors, it's just like, man, I hope Capaldi works because I really like him as an actor, and I'm just afraid he's such a departure from who Smith was that people will like turn on him. Which is I don't weird. know.
0: I feel like at this point, at least myself, and I think a lot of people, because the show's been going for a little while, and people, even if they came on during Smith, have sort of caught up with the others, I feel like at this point you're used to there being a change, and I've watched enough Doctor Who at this point that I'm, like, excited to see it, even if, in fact, almost more excited if it's incredibly different, and I say that as someone who, Smith's my favorite Doctor, the 11th era has been my favorite uh, era that I've seen so far, and I still think make a hard left turn. Do something totally different with the character in the show because um, that's that's one of the benefits of Doctor Who as a show is you can do literally anything with it once it regenerates. The Doctor regenerating means the show can entirely change. You know, we could... Uh, Peter Capaldi could be uh, flipping burgers and uh, raising a family or something uh, next season and I'd be like, this is a strange departure but I'm with it. I'm going to see what the show's doing. Uh, and I, I think that's one of the advantages of it and I think, you know... Moffat clearly is embracing that by going with Capaldi because he could have gone with another young quirky person to to play the role that way. And I think he's saying there's more to the Doctor, there's more to the show, and the show can always be whatever we want it to be. And um, I think Capaldi, uh, you know, in the what maybe one minute of screen time we have with him so far, he's he's made a hard sell for me to to buy that he's going to be a fantastic Doctor. And I mean, I was I actually when when the uh, the Capaldi announcement was. Uh, pending. We weren't sure he was gonna be the doctor, but he was the rumored doctor. I thought, no way, he is the way too awesome candidate that they always float out there before they put the real one. Like, it's not gonna happen. He's too good. He's too famous. And then when he was announced, I was like, wow, you know, he's fantastic. He's gonna be great. And I just I figured he was the the uh, the fake leak. You know, the red herring doctor. But
1: I should really I should have gone, gone back. I should have gone back through my G-chats and found this conversation, Jordan, because there was a point where I, like, sent you, like, an article from, like, a completely not real outlet that was, like, Peter Capaldi, and I was like, oh my god, this would be awesome, I love him, and you were like, no, that's never gonna happen, like...
0: Right, I, I literally, like, it would be awesome, I I was never anti-Capaldi, I just thought no way in hell is never ever gonna happen.
1: And then it did. Um, and it did. <laughs> I'm super excited for Capaldi, um because he's great, I think, even what we've seen. I mean, even his eyes. Even his eyes sold the performance, you guys. Like, imagine what's going to happen when he actually gets to talk. But assuming that the next season explores at least partially this, like, question of, like, Gallifrey's status, I think it will be kind of interesting to see a more mature doctor. Um, But he still is kind of, like at least in, like, the regeneration scene that we see from him at the end of the Christmas special, he's still kind of, like, delightfully spastic, which I love. Um, Although, I don't know how I'm going to feel about, like, having him on screen not not saying, like, fuckity-fuck-fuck all the time. (laughs) Um, But that'll be good. I'm excited.
0: So, we were talking about Capaldi. We're going to get back to Smith in just a minute. But before we do, I want to go around and ask, like, one thing you're hoping for, thinking will happen, etc. Just any blind speculation about the Capaldi era or blind hopes. Uh, Why don't we start with you, Sam?
2: Sure. Um, I think it'll be kind of a darker Doctor. I think that's kind of the general assumption. But what I'm really hoping for story-wise is since is in play again, that would mean the Time Lords are in play again, and my hope is that they bring back the Master. Because somehow this is not a direction that Um, Moffat has gone with Smith at all Um, and I think the Master is kind of like the closest thing the Doctor has to the Joker more so than the Daleks and we've had enough Daleks we can take it let's take it easy on the Daleks and let's take it easy on people saying Doctor Who on Doctor Who do you
3: remember
2: remember when Russell Davies like ran the show I think someone said Doctor Who like once a season
0: and we were all like ha ha good joke and then Moffat got here and he was like I love it. I can play this a thousand times an episode. Let's
2: make that the premise of a whole season and have people literally chant that throughout episodes.
0: Uh, all right, fair enough. Megan, one hope, dream, thought, whatever, about the Capaldi seasons?
3: That Clara isn't in love with the Doctor anymore. I just, I, I hope that now that he's Capaldi, it's not going to be like a love affair. It's going to be like, oh... I feel. Like, I hope it's more like the first doctor with like the doctor and his niece. I kind of want it to be that relationship. That's my hope.
0: Uh, Rachel.
1: Uh, I just want more Strax. And, yes. Um, it has been reported, or it, like it's being floated. Um, I don't even know. Would you count it as technically reported that like River Song, Vashtra, Jenny, and Strax will be like reappearing and. Um, so it's been confirmed
0: that Mastrogini and Strax will be reappearing and it's rumored that they're going to be reappearing in Capaldi's first episode which I don't know how I feel about River Song Stephen Moffat has said he could bring her back um, and Alex Kingston certainly seems to think she'll be coming back but um, Moffat says he's happy with where the character ended so he'll <laughs> only bring her I'm back nice. from like a story perspective <laughs> um, so River I think is an open question whether she'll return though I assume she will because she's such a popular character Uh, Vastrotini and Strax, I think, are definitely coming back.
1: I love Strax. Um, I think because he reminds me so much of you, Jordan. Um,
0: yeah. Strax and I are basically (laughs) the same person. Jesus.
3: Can you tell the difference between a boy and a girl? No. Okay.
0: It's caused some serious problems in my love life. (laughs) Um,
1: no. So, I'm just, I'm kind of interested in that. Especially because, like, as Megan said, I'm hoping that there's, like, this move away from, like, the, like, the love affair between... Even if it's just, like, the emotional love affair between, like, the Doctor and the Companion, um, I'm kind of excited for this idea of, like, I don't know, like, the... Like, team Doctor. Um, <laughs> and as long as that involves tracks, Jackson totally fine with it.
0: Yeah, I, I'd say... Well, I think Amy is probably my favorite Companion. Um, we all talk about Donna, and Donna's definitely, if not number one, my, my close number two. And I think one of the reasons for that is because it was just, oh, thank God, someone's not in love with the Doctor. Yeah. We can just, like, we can mm-hmm. do something else for a while. And Donna and the Doctor were great. They they were just sort of a, a comedy team, and I loved that about yeah, them. Yeah, well, they, um, they
2: felt like a true, like, uh, like equal pair. You know, that they were they were true partners in doing this. And I feel like having the companions in love with the Doctor kind of, you know... I think it kind of just like knocks them down a little bit in terms of their character like I feel like too much of their character is wrapped up in being in love with him and that was definitely true with like Martha that was like all Martha was about and Martha was just kind of sulking around cause like the doctor was so into Rose but Donna's like she's not interested so she can kind of just like tell him to like basically shut his mouth or like he's being like an idiot and I felt I felt that they were much more equals while like I feel like they kind of got better with Amy and that Amy kind of had like a childhood crush on him, but she kind of got over that, which I liked. And she like had Rory who I actually initially really hated Amy because I thought she was so horrible. I thought she was like a terrible human being with Rory. Cause she's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get married to this guy, but nah. and I felt like, Oh my God, they're doing what they did with Rose and Mickey but I like that she kind of figured out that, like, you know, she really loves Rory, and the Doctor is just kind of this madman with the box, so to speak. Um, so yeah, I have no idea. I can't really predict Moffat at this point, because some he sets things up that look like, oh, he clearly knows exactly what he's doing, and then he kind of finishes it weird.
0: Yeah, I think, I think honestly, Moffat had, had a lot of planes that got thrown off a little bit by Eccleston not coming back. But, um, but um, that being said, so, I, think, I think he course-corrected about as well as he could have expected. Uh, I, guess I guess if I have, have one thing, I think I already said this, basically, but, but I just, just want Capaldi's era to be different. different. And again, I say, yeah, that, I because, say that because, like, I say that as someone who thinks someone who think the Moffat era, uh, the Eleven um, era, is probably my favorite era of the rebooted show so far, and Eleven is my favorite doctor of all of them that I've seen so far. I, I still just think, I want it to take a hard left turn. I do think we'll probably... The doctor will probably be a darker character, um, and that's great. I just think let's do something different. So fingers crossed that the show looks as different in series eight as it did when Matt Smith took over. Um, that would be that would be very exciting to me if it just if it came back with a totally different feel. Um, and I think Moffat's capable of doing that. I don't know that he will, but I think he's capable of pulling that off.
2: Um, I, I just wonder how much like Moffat has left in him, honestly. And you know. He's not going to showrun Doctor Who forever. Um, oh, he'll try. He'll, you think so?
3: I do. I think he will I think they'll have to like drag him out of the office. I honestly don't think he'll leave.
2: <laughs> I don't know who would pick it up. I mean he, he made so much sense as a, as a successor to Davies um, because you know everyone loved all the episodes he wrote, but I don't know if there's somebody at least who I've seen, who I'm like, oh, he should take over, he's so great.
0: I mean, unless they can get Gaiman to do it, but even he had one phenomenal episode and one okay episode. Yeah. And also, Neil Gaiman's probably not going to run Doctor Who, guys. As much as I'd like that to be the case, <laughs> I imagine he's probably got other things he wants to do. Um, I don't know. It would be surprising if he, if he didn't run the entire Capaldi era. I think it'd be weird to see a showrunner step down in this era of the show during their Doctor, because you sort of, I think... I think we sort of think of of the showrunner as as possessive in terms of the Doctor. You know, they tell the story, even if crazy. even if there isn't really one isn't cohesive true. story throughout the era. They sort of they tell the, era, the story, and then you know Davies stepped down lieutenant. I expect I that Maha will on. step down uh, after Capaldi. Now, I I sort of expected he might after Smith originally, but at this point, I think he'll probably step down after Capaldi, or maybe he'll do a third Doctor. Who knows? Um, I think he'll be around for a little while, and hopefully, he takes the really long break between seasons that, we, that he's got right now and re- recharges and figures out some different things he wants to do because it would kind of suck if he took over or if he still ran this show for another three or four years um, and was out of ideas. That would that would not be fun. <laughs> um, so why don't we spend the last little bit of the show here just talking about the things we loved about the Smith era, the things we maybe didn't love um, and, and sort of putting this era of the show to bed because I imagine this is the last time we'll really talk about the 11th Doctor on the podcast unless, you know, 10 years from now, he's in the 60th anniversary special. Um, so why don't we, Rachel, why don't we start with you um, and just sort of give us give us a capstone on the 11th Doctor as a whole.
1: You know, um, Sam just said that this season wasn't so great, and I have to agree with him, but I think, um, thankfully, Smith's shining moments are so much brighter than this last season. Um that I almost don't even have to consider it when, like, thinking about his legacy. Um, I obviously was slow to warm to him, but he definitely made it easy to love him um, after a while. Uh, And I think that because these seasons specifically marked such a serious tonal shift in the show overall, um, they became much more cinematic, the scope became much bigger, they became much more cohesive and connected um, than the earlier seasons were, um, I think that it's not at all surprising to me, both with Smith playing the doctor and the way that the season's changed, that, um, there's been sort of a surge in the show's popularity, um, and I'm only happy about that, um, bow ties are cool is another thing that I've learned, and, uh, and I'm kind of just sad to see him go, um. I'm interested to kind of, like, see what else he does with what I hope is a long and successful career. Um, Side note, I think it's really funny that both him and um, Karen Gillum, who plays Amy, were wearing wigs in the last episode. Because they had both Mm -hmm. shaved their heads for their next roles, which I think is, like, the most visual way to have a departure from a well-known, well-loved, well-established character. Um,
2: Especially since their hair is so, like, famous for both
1: of them. Word on the street Playable. is that um, Karen's wig was made out of her own hair. Um,
2: that's horrifying.
1: Isn't it? <laughs> um, Wait, she,
2: did she save her own hair?
1: Well, yeah. like She would have had to
0: to make a wig out of it, Sam.
2: <laughs> I don't know. That seems upsetting.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know I don't, if that's I don't entirely is it, is true. Is it more
0: upsetting than wearing a wig made out of someone else's hair?
2: I think so. Because it means you save your own hair.
0: Well, and that's so she gross. shaved her head, Sam. She probably just saved that hair. I don't think she's been collecting her own hair to make a Karen Gillan <laughs> wig just in case. I imagine she cut all her hair off, and that hair became the wig. And but I imagine I,
1: that she knew when she cut her hair that she was going to need it back, so.
2: But it's just so weird, the idea <laughs> that someone would, like, actively say, Oh, shave my head, but by the way, pick up all that hair and save it and put it in a bag. I need it.
1: I don't think she made That's the wig herself, her. to be fair. That's yeah, craved... She
0: probably wasn't, like, sitting sitting there playing with her own hair making it into a wig.
2: Yeah, but still, even so, she had to get her head shaved, and she had to say, don't throw that hair away, I need it. And then she would put it in a bag and then give it to someone else and say, make me a wig now. I just shaved my head. It seems a little fluky to me.
1: I, I love how angry you are about this right now, Sam. I'm I mean... not
2: angry, I'm just like, it's weird to me to make a wig out of your own hair.
3: She could have said, I'm going to give my hair to Locks of Love, so then they would have kept it, and then somebody could have said, no, save go. it for a wig so you can like use it for future things. Well, maybe Which she'll is donate also, the wig. I mean, it, it I a know a lot of people that would buy it.
0: She'll probably she'll probably, yeah, sell the wig at, um, for an exorbitant price, <laughs> and some weird Who fan there would be like, I have Karen Gillan's hair in my house. <laughs> Her <laughs> yeah. real hair. And he would, just,
2: he would wear it around, because it's definitely a man, and he would definitely wear it. <laughs> Ew. and he might not wear
1: it this bed. took a very dark turn this is not yeah. where i meant to go with that little fun fact um well <laughs> yeah about thank you for that.
0: horrifying <laughs> us Rachel. we take dark turns sometime on their video name podcast that's part of the game
1: i do it um, okay
0: megan uh thoughts on 11th era as a whole
3: oh the best i mean there's like two main points i have to make the first is that He made Doctor Who the, like, phenomenon that it is today. I mean, Tennant did a really good job, but he had to just, I mean, he didn't have a small audience, but it wasn't what it is now. And I don't know if that's because of social media or what, but I have girlfriends who would never in their lifetime watch Doctor Who, regardless of who the doctor was, but then all of a sudden, Matt Smith comes and, like, oh, he's hot, and they'd sit and watch it with me and be like, oh, I'll get into this, like, sure. Um, He just made it, like, so popular, and... Half of me wants to be that hipster that's like, well, I was watching Dr. Who before. It was cool. And I hate all these newbies. But then at the same time, I'm like, this is such a wonderful show. And I think if everyone watched it, like, violence would go down. And, like, the horrible things in the world would never exist anymore if we all just watched Dr. Who. we would
0: have Karen Gillan wigs.
3: Exactly. Um, but he, like, also, Chris Hardwick made a really good point on his, on the Matt Smith farewell episode. He was like, you know, bow ties were never in stores before. Like, he made them cool. Like... That's how awesome Matt Smith is. Like, he put on a bow tie and people are wearing them now. Like, no joke. It's kind of crazy. But, and even at Comic-Con, I mean, the man just, like, I mean, I remember going to Comic-Con panels for Doctor Who and not really knowing what Doctor Who was. I just went for my mom and my brother and there was, like, no one there. And then all of a sudden, I had to get VIP passes just to go to a panel that wasn't even about Doctor Who. It just featured Matt Smith with a bunch of other guys. And, like, he was talking about how he had to wear a Simpsons mask and I was happened to be sitting in front of the BBC social media team who was holding the the Simpsons mask that he wore around Comic-Con, and I took, like, a really creepy stalker photo of it and tweeted it and got a ridiculous amount of retweets and favorites from people. I was like, oh, I didn't know you guys watched Doctor Who. That's cool. Um, So I loved him for that reason, but also, like, His Doctor Who is the kind of guy my mom always told me to fall in love with. Somebody that's adventurous, that's kind and caring and funny. And I just loved him for that because he made you, as a female at least, or somebody who likes men, you fell in love with him. And I think that's a really important part of this Doctor. You needed to fall in love with him to help him forgive what he had done or thought he did. And I think also, going back to why I hate claire that's part of it. Because you're not supposed to love... The doctor—that's not the companion's role. I'm supposed to love the doctor as the viewer, so. But I just think he really made you fall in love with him, and I think that's such an amazing, fantastic thing that isn't really easy to do. But I
1: did, and still love him.
2: Are you worried Sorry. that that with Capaldi now? I think the audience that wouldn't have normally watched, but that ended up watching because Matt Smith was like kind of hot, is that gone now? You know, is you that know, a problem?
1: Are you saying I that Peter Capaldi's about not kind of hot?
2: Well, I, I, I definitely think there is definitely a population of people who would find Peter Capaldi kind of hot on some <laughs> level, but I'm saying Matt Smith is probably a much broader appeal.
3: Yes, that he's of like course.
2: Young. So.
3: I mean, I thought about that for a while, but then... I, st- I have this feeling that Capaldi's going to shock us and be funnier than we're expecting him to be. I think he's going to bring in that goofiness that Matt Smith left us loving. And, I mean, most of the girls that I know would watch it and be like, oh, he's so hot. And then it'd be like, oh, my God, he's so amazing. He's so funny. When he said that line, I just fell in love. So I think that if Capaldi sort of keeps that little hint of, like, goofiness, I think that will keep a lot of the fan base, but I wouldn't mind if a lot of them went away because it's less of a line at Comic-Con to see the Doctor Who panels. So, by all means, go away, little haters.
0: Yeah, I uh, i mean, I, I've said it a couple times on the show so far, but Eleven was my doctor. He's the one that, that turned it around for me. Uh, he's the one that made me, like, go from thinking, like, yeah, this is a show that I'll watch that has the occasional amazing episode and a lot of episodes I don't care about uh, to, like... Something that I'm reasonably obsessed with and something that I'm finally going back and watching, you know, the fifty years that came before, or I guess technically what, 26 seasons in a television movie. But still, um, I hadn't I had been able easily to resist the idea of doing that until I entered the Smith era. Um, he he sort of took everything that I I think about when I think about the Doctor and mixed it up really well in a soup, and he was able to do all of it at once. Um, and I ultimately I think that's sort of the legacy of his of his run to me is he could be any part of the Doctor he needed him to be, including, um, for a brief time in The Almost People, uh, which was a pretty terrible story, I think, um, he could be the other Doctors. You know, He could play all of them. He could play every facet of this character. Um, and he just... He felt like he was the oldest of them all, even though he's, he's the youngest actor to play them. He felt like... He was he had the childlike sense of wonder. He had the... the old, sad, lonely man. He had the the... Cruelty. He had the sense of adventure. He could do it all, um, and more than that, he could do it all. He just he strode out of that TARDIS like it's what I think it's what River Song said back in in Silence of the Library. And I guess that was that was Moffat's idea of the Doctor. You know, he strode out of the TARDIS with the swagger, um, and he just sort of won us all over pretty much. I mean, Rachel, I know it took you a while, but he won me over pretty much immediately uh, right after the regeneration lieutenant. And then by the end of his first episode, I was just blown away, and I was like, "Yep, this is." This is the guy for me. Um, this is my doctor, so I will miss him. Uh, obviously, I loved him, and I, I had hoped uh, that he was going to stick around a little longer. But that's not the way the show works, you know. Every couple years, the doctor leaves, and I've I've learned to love that about the show as much as I love anything about it. That uh, you will fall in love with every doctor at least a little bit. Um, and I say this is a heterosexual man. <laughs> um, everyone will love their. Uh, everyone will love every doctor at some point in their run, uh, and. Your Doctor will leave, and you'll like the next one, you know? That's how it works. So, my Doctor's leaving, but I imagine that the show will continue to be really good. I think is going to be fantastic, and um, that's the nature of the beast.
2: <laughs> and we're going to continue to talk about it and obsess over it.
0: Yes, we are <laughs> We are going to continue to talk about Doctor Who on this podcast. Um, it'll be a while, though, actually, you know? I think it's like August. Like, yeah, I, I think August or September the show will be back, so... Those of you who don't like Doctor Who that somehow still listen when we do a Doctor Who podcast, um, thank you for that. But also, you've got about nine months off before we'll be talking about it again. And then I'm sure we'll do at least a segment and possibly a whole episode on the first quality episode because I imagine we'll all have a lot to say. Um, Megan, I hope you'll come back and talk about it with us. Of course. With that, uh, are there any last thoughts before we shut this thing down? Because we are we don't want to run too long again. <laughs> Silence. Excellent. Silence <laughs> in the library. Um, with that, I will, I will, as always, tell you, you can follow us on Twitter at ReviewBenamed. You can email us at ReviewBenamed at gmail.com. Come to the website at ReviewBenamed, where you can read Sam's writing about Doctor Who uh, episodes as they come out, and where you can find my uh, brief recurring feature where I talk about each Doctor as they go through the classic series. Um, and also you can find us writing about a whole lot of other things. Um, you can comment on the website there. You can yell really loud out of your window, Uh, I wouldn't suggest that, though. We probably don't live next door to you, uh, unless you're hearing us record this right now. In which case, go ahead and yell. We'll say hey. Um, With that, this has been the Review to Name podcast. I have been Jordan, and I'll always remember when the doctor was me.